0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: G'day, mates. It's Beebuster here. and Before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71 features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening guys, and without further ado, let's begin. So, I'm a tradie in my 30s and I have a female partner that is a bit younger than me. I live in Queensland, Australia and last year during Christmas holidays we decided to have a 10 day trip with a camper van around state. After exploring the beach side of the state we decided to go inland. We camped overnight in a lookout over a gorge with a great view. There were two more campers so not a busy spot. Unfortunately, though, it started raining, so we waited to explore the next day. It started to get dark, and when we woke up, I saw that the number of the campers didn't change as rain continued during the next day. That was a bit disappointing, but we still decided to go explore the top of the mountain range, a long, narrow hilltop that was a short distance from the camping spot, just a few minutes walking. Our destination was probably only about maybe an hour there and back and had some man-made stairs at the beginning of the trail, they were basically just rocks but there were also big stones positioned in sort of the natural tiles in the ground every now and there, not in a regular pattern or anything, random and scarce but I would estimate they'd probably weigh about 100 kilos and were mostly flat with the rest of the terrain deep in the ground. On both sides of the narrow range were very steep sides, definitely not accessible but they had a great view of the surrounding dense forest all the way that you could see anyway. What I'm trying to paint here is that basically we were in the middle of nowhere. The way to the end of the range though was through some obstacles where I had to help my girlfriend climb up some big rocks and other stuff. Once we made it to the end there was a sharp end and a drop off into the gorge beneath we took some pictures and decided to go back to our RV eventually. We still haven't seen or heard anyone and the path from the beginning to the end was very narrow with the visibility of both sides so no one could have walked past us. Of course there were trees and other obstacles on the path but we could not see much back from where we came from but what we noticed on the way back were some of those large stones mentioned before they were missing you could see the fresh holes in the ground too and we definitely would have seen them missing on the way in the first time as there was only one way there and back. I would say that there were about maybe 10 plus of them missing across the whole way back and they were not from the same spot. There were maybe, I don't know, 50 altogether randomly positioned. For the life of me too i Just cannot explain how someone could like dig them up and carry them back to their truck or something in that time. And I mean even if someone decided that they wanted it in their garden or something. It's just not humanly possible to lift them like that. Now this experience was I think the next day or maybe the one after in a different place of the same national park. It was called Carnivore National Park. It's a massive range connected to other state forests and parks and whatnot. The weather didn't improve either and we didn't see many people in our next destination either. There were only two or three cars on which is usually a very popular spot. We decided to take a hike anyway of one of the indicated routes showed on the map. Most were leading to different parts and some even divided further. I would guess that we were about three hours in and we decided that we'd had enough combined with the weather and seen what we wanted to and so... We were about to turn back when we walked past a route that was blocked off by a sort of fencing and with a warning sign that said closed due to flooding and inaccessible road. It was a route that would stretch for another 20 kilometers, but I've seen that there was a small waterfall just close, maybe around one kilometer away that way, so I persuaded my girlfriend to go. She was hesitant at first, not trusting the sign, but eventually she agreed. We walked around the blocked entrance easily, was only walking around a few trees to the side and continued on the path. I should mention too that I carry a machete in my backpack along with some emergency stuff like snacks and water. Call me paranoid but hey, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it, right? Anyway, after about 20 or 30 meters of walking, we reached that little waterfall. On the way there, there were some fallen trees on the path that we had to climb over as walking around just wasn't always possible. It started to drizzle again, a bit stronger this time, so we decided to go back after we reached our destination. We took a few pictures, spent a few minutes, and I will say again that we did not see anyone that day, since the handful of people at the beginning of the car park at the very bottom, they went a different route. We started walking back after a few minutes when I just suddenly felt this feeling like we were being watched. In fact I stopped and felt the hair on my arm standing up. It was a feeling like something wanted to harm us. Now my girlfriend doesn't really believe stuff like that and definitely doesn't understand why I would carry a machete into the forest unless planning to cut through the jungle of course but This is Australia, we don't have access to guns like you guys do in the states. So I told her that we should go faster and that I just don't feel safe. After a few minutes of walking with me constantly looking around, I stopped and decided to take my crocodile Dundee knife out. Once I did this I decided to whistle. I don't know why, maybe it was to just break the silence to maybe scare something away and not like we have bears here or anything. It wasn't a long tone whistle, rather a few short melodic sort of like whistles, and at first nothing happened, so we continued walking with my knife in hand, and after a, a very short time, I would say 10 seconds, we then heard the same whistle come back at us. Now, the visibility from the footpath is quite decent being on the bottom between the hills like this, going along a small creek, and I can tell you that there was no one that we could see. My hair on my arms started to raise again, and my girlfriend finally acknowledged that something just wasn't right, and started walking fast without me hustling her. I think she felt it too, but... We had to make it to the entrance section that was blocked and then back to the main track without any further incident. And all the way there I felt just like I was being watched and not wanted there at all. As soon as we did make it to the normal trail all feelings of being threatened subsided and eventually we made it back and we just packed up and we left. Me and my girlfriend live in a calm and small city, so we're used to walking alone, even late at night, from her house to mine, or vice versa. A few years ago, when we were 18 or 19 years old, we were going to her house alone, walking. There was nobody on the streets, and it was starting to get dark at this point. We were chatting about something and making jokes when we decided to walk by a different route just to change the usual path up a bit we were walking for 15 minutes more or less when we started to feel a little lost and thought hey this isn't the way home and at this same instant too we heard a loud whistle as someone was whistling to get our attention we turned back and we saw this well clown he was there standing still looking at us and smiling, but something was really off. His clothes were kind of ragged. He had three balloons floating tied to his hand, and in the other hand, he had a huge butcher's knife. We thought that it was some kind of a joke at first, like it seemed to be out of a horror movie or something. I said, hello, how are you? Because I really didn't know what to do. He then proceeds to whistle a kid's song and walk slowly towards us. Well, as you might have figured too, we were terrified by this and we started to back up a bit and then we ran away from that thing. He didn't run though, at least well, we didn't see him run, but every time that we thought that we were away from it, he would just reappear around the corner of another street. We couldn't find anybody else in the streets and it was getting dark at this point. We ran again and hid behind some trees for half an hour or more. Then we proceeded to look for the right path back to a house. And we saw him once again when we were already far from the place that we had hid. But he had his back to us at this point so he didn't see us. After that we thought, well, it must have been someone just playing a prank on random people or something. But we then saw on the news a week later that someone had been attacked by a clown, not severely hurt thankfully, but still, the police were looking for this clown but couldn't find him anywhere. I hazard a guess that in our small town, that it must have been the same person.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. So the first thing happened a few months ago. I couldn't find my house keys one evening, despite them always hanging on the hanger next to the front door. My husband, daughter and I turned the house upside down looking for them, but there was nothing. My husband left me his door key and he went off to work the next morning. My daughter went to school and I went to work, arriving home about lunchtime. I let myself in the door and then went to hang my husband's keys on the hook next to the door, as is my habit, and I literally jumped because my keys were on the hanger. The second thing only happened this past weekend. My daughter left her attic bedroom and went to stay at her dad's house on Sunday at about, I would say, 3pm. She went from there to school on the Monday morning, then got home to my house at about 4.30pm, Monday. She went straight to her room to get changed, but came flying back downstairs with a face like thunder. You've been in my bedroom, she yelled. I told her calmly that I hadn't. I mentioned her having the attic bedroom as the steps are steep, and I have arthritic knees, so I don't venture up there. So she believed me when I told her that I hadn't, but she went from furious to ashen-faced. Why? I asked. Well, there's a, a lit candle on my desk. Just to mention a couple of things too. The candle was a small one, maybe like 5 centimeters tall, and not one that could be left burning for over 24 hours. There wasn't anything in her room that could have lit the candle as well. No matches, lighter, or anything. No one was home except for me the entire time and I know that I didn't go up there. Okay, so I know that this is a really weird one, but bear with me. I hope that you guys can give me some perspective or insights into what you guys think this might be. When I was growing up, my family lived in this huge, beautiful southern-style home, and I really loved it. I have very fond memories there. However, it was the most active home of all that I've lived in since. Very active. Very active. But only to my mother and I. You see, my two brothers and my dad, they never had any experiences. My mother had a couple. I was the only girl though, and about three when we moved in, and I had a lot. At first, being so young, I didn't really think anything of the experiences. I didn't know any better. Later though, I'd find out that they were not what other people see or interact with normally but I'll tell you guys all the one that mostly stands out. One night, I woke up and I rolled over. I was barely awake and it was dark in the room. I didn't have a nightlight. But I noticed that there was some sort of a black thing lingering at the foot of my bed. I couldn't make it out right then, so I sat upright in my bed and tried to make it out, but I still couldn't really. So I got on my knees and leaned toward it, Now, remember, the whole room is dark, but I can clearly see that there's something there. It's not a figure, it's just sort of suspended in darkness. As I lean towards it, within like two feet I would guess, it looks a a lot like a hand, but not a hand because it only has three fingers, bent slightly as if they were just sort of hanging there. It had no fingernails, but pointy tips, It wasn't connected to any body either. I I just sort of leaned back against my bed frame and watched it until eventually I, I just fell back asleep because it never moved. This happened a couple more times but it seemed to be closer to me each time. Then one night my cousin stayed over and she slept with me. I woke up and rolled over to face her and it was right there in my face hanging directly over her as she slept. It had never been that close before, and I was scared, but I could actually reach out and touch it. And a part of me wanted to. I reached my arm out and then just sort of pulled it back. And in the end, I never did touch it. I just sort of watched it until, again, I just fell asleep. But that was the last time that I saw it. Fast forward 10 years though and I was helping my mum in the kitchen with supper. As we were talking, that old house came up somehow and I finally told her what I saw and she immediately stopped what she was doing. She asked me more. Then she took two pieces of paper out and asked me to draw it. While I was, she was doing something on the other piece of paper. And when I finished, she finished. She asked that we swap papers and we did. And she had for all intents and purposes drawn the exact same thing we both just sort of looked at each other in amazement. She then told me that when she was little she had went to a slumber party and all the girls slept on the living room floor in sleeping bags as she said that she woke up in the middle of the night and saw this claw thing hanging over the girl next to her. She reached out to touch it and before she did the girl screamed loudly Everyone woke up and the girl was crying and saying someone had pinched her. My mum was accused of doing this of course, but she swore that she never would have done such a thing. But this girl had clearly been pinched hard enough to even draw blood. I've uh, done some research on this and honestly I haven't been able to come up with anything like this. So what do you guys think? I live in the foothills of Western NC, near the base of the Blue Ridge. I lived in the mountains for a few years, and I hated it up there. I despise the woods with a burning passion. Yet, just my luck, I've moved back in with my folks in their cabin surrounded by woods. The land my family owned stretches across like about 15 acres of woodland. Now, these are the woods that I grew up in. And despite my typical aversion to nature, I feel pretty safe in them. I climbed the trees and splashed in the creek and played with stick swords when I was a kid there, so these woods are sort of like home. Except for the area behind the backyard. You see, our cabin is positioned at the top of a pretty steep hill that slopes down for about half a mile before it bottoms out at a creek down in the woods. The halfway point between the house and the creek is this little patch of woods right behind the fenced-in area around the house. It's always in shade, no thick undergrowth, just, well, trees. Carolina red clay, piles of leaves, the usual. But it just feels really weird down there in a way that it's hard to explain. I feel very unwelcome out behind the house, and I'm not the only one. My parents avoid it too, even our pets past and present have always stayed clear of it. Anyway, I'm going to share some experiences that should help to get my point across better. I was about 8 or 9 and one summer thought that I'd try camping in the backyard. I set up my family's unused tent, loaded it up with an air mattress and a pile of blankets. Copper was there too, my beloved dear stuffy and some comic books. I guess I wanted to be excited about it, but even before the sun went down when mum was helping me set up my little camping trip, I just felt really uneasy. The shady patch of woods around the backyard was just weird, but I was a kid, so I figured, man, to heck with it. I'm 20 feet from the house anyway. I'll be fine. I was not fine. I got set up for the night, stayed up reading comics, Felt like a, an outdoorsman, and it had barely gotten dark when I began hearing loud, rhythmic crunching in the woods behind the backyard. Like something big was walking in circles around the undergrowth. We don't have bears in my neck of the woods. Besides, whatever it was, it was definitely walking on two legs. It never tried to approach the backyard, even as I sat there with copper just listening to it. It just kept walking. In the end, I barely lasted an hour in that tent before running inside and getting into my own bed. Now, my mum is an avid gardener, and she decided one day that she was going to put together four or five raised garden beds in the backyard for herbs and veggies. This was when I was 11 ish, I think, so naturally I was roped in to help. We spent the first part of the spring just putting them together and getting them started. And I began noticing that both of us would get really edgy and irritable back there. We're best friends and we never fight, but we'd be snapping at each other constantly, raising that garden. I also noticed for the first time that the woods behind the house were deathly quiet. Playing music or talking didn't make a difference too. It was that kind of silence that presses in on you and it's just always back there. To our surprise though the beds actually thrive for a little while but mum would always ask me to come with her when she tended to them. I thought that it was silly at the time but when I got older she told me that she just couldn't be down there by herself. She'd wait until I was home from school before checking on them because she too felt uneasy and unwelcome down there. Eventually we just abandoned the project too it got so bad but the raised beds are still down there just rotting away in the undergrowth. Haven't checked on them since middle school, and I'm twenty-three now. And lastly, and in my opinion, the creepiest, was the time that I asked my mum to cut my hair. But we were poorer then, so rather than go to a salon, Mum just gave me a twice-a-month trim. It was late spring and warm, so she suggested that we cut it in the backyard for easier cleanup. I was maybe thirteen or fourteen at this point. So we ventured down, I brought a stool and sat diligently while she cut my hair. Side note too, my mum has always cut my hair so she's really good at it. She doesn't make mistakes and this is important. So as she worked we talked and I noticed that old familiar feeling of unease again. But we were not welcome back there all of a sudden and the trees stood still and shadowy despite the brilliant sunny day. And I remember that it was just really really cold. Mum finished up my haircut, and I shook off the extra debris to let her admire her handiwork. She stepped around in front of me, angled my head this way and that, said it looked good. And then, three things happened in very quick succession. First, I felt this squeeze of pressure on my lungs, like I couldn't breathe. It was such a weird sensation that I just froze. All of the uneasiness of the atmosphere pressed in on me all at once second my mom got this really weird vacant look on her face i remember her smile fading and her eyes going a little glassy like she was lost in thought or something and then she reached out with the scissors still making this empty expression and snipped a deep cut into the skin right over my left eye i obviously freaked out jumped down off the stool and backed away at the same time she seemed to gather herself again and she was almost in tears She apologized over and over again, not even bothering to take anything with us as we ran back to the house to treat the cut and stop the bleeding. I still have a little scar there, in fact, and she's never really forgiven herself for it. There wasn't even any hair hanging over that eye or anything, either. I had a a pixie cut at the time. So, yeah, a few of the many weird experiences that makes me avoid the backyard now and... I haven't been down there in like 7 or 8 years, but now that I'm living here again, I just sometimes look into the backyard and feel that weird shudder of apprehension again. And I mean, what's the deal right? Why don't we feel welcome in a 50 square foot patch of land that we own? Why is it so dark there all the time and quiet? I have no idea, but my parents and I just work around it and pretend like it isn't there. This happened several years ago when my daughter was about 8 years old at the time. I was about 29, male. I woke up early in the morning, 1 or 2am. At first, I really didn't think much of it. I sort of peacefully woke up, kind of just looked at the ceiling for a minute, then turned my head toward the bedroom door, and I could see the nightlight in my daughter's room slowly, softly changing from one color to the next. It lit up the hallway, the phases from one color to the next last only a few seconds, yellow, blue, green and then red. I always thought the red was a bit dark, a blood red. I watched it go through the cycle a couple of times, it turns red one last time. I don't think much of it until it just doesn't change, it stays red. I think to myself, that's strange, but I just wait thinking that eventually it will change again but it doesn't. At this point, enough time had passed that I'm like, oh no, what's going on? So I decided to go and check it out. But it was at that point that I realized that I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. In fact, it seemed like the more I struggled, the harder it was to move. The panic started to creep in, and with every second that passed, the more panicked I became. Then... My daughter let out the most horrible scream. The kind of scream that you never want to hear from your own child. It was horrifying and I knew something was terribly wrong. But the more I tried to move, the harder it became. I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do, but all of a sudden it went silent. Still, I'm struggling to get out of bed. A few seconds went by when another blood-curdling scream. Suddenly though, I was released and I sprang out of bed only to faceplant on the ground because my legs didn't work I couldn't feel my legs at all but I had to save my daughter so I butt sort of naked started to low crawl to my daughter's room ready to kill whatever was causing her harm she let out one last scream as I approached the door to her room and I mustered all the strength that I could to stand up and flip the lights on I screamed "What? what's going on are you okay and she was in the corner of her room curled up The look of pure fright on her face. She immediately runs to me and jumps into my arms. Because whatever it was, it scared the heck out of her. And that scared the heck out of me. Once she calmed down, she told me that apparently she woke up and was just laying there watching her light change colors. Then it changed to red and stopped. She started to get scared and was going to come to my room, but then her bedroom door apparently turned into a large mouth with sharp teeth and started coming toward her chomping up and down. Just before I got to her, I turned the light on and allegedly that's what saved her. But how is this possible? I mean, I have sleep paralysis the exact same time my daughter had a night terror and they seemingly were connected? I don't know, that seems way too coincidental for me so my uncle's house was made from nothing but the place where it had been had been abandoned for a long time before he started building i have so many stories from that place to me that prove that it's indeed haunted but i'll begin with the oldest one that i can remember before there even was a house there so right next to the house there's a kindergarten there I went there as a kid just like my mum and her brothers before me. There was always a playground legend too about a man in a military uniform who called the kids to go behind the school and then they would disappear. Even as a kid I remember being so afraid of going to that particular place behind the school but as I grew I stopped thinking about it. Fast forward a few years though and my uncle's house had just been finished. One night when I was out doing laundry with my cousin. I decided that I wanted to see the kindergarten from above, as it had been years since I'd seen it. So we go onto the balcony and get a really good view of the place, and after a few seconds I noticed somebody walking in between the classrooms in the back of the school. I couldn't see their face, but my whole body tensed as I saw the shadow go through the wall and then disappear behind the school. I remembered the story from my childhood at that moment, and still wonder if that is the same man the kids saw back then. Most of the paranormal experiences that I've had, they've been with said cousin that I mentioned earlier, so I do believe her when it comes to paranormal things that she's told me that happened in my uncle's house. And one of the scariest ones for her was a time when she had just come home from school and wanted to ask her aunt, Sarah, if they were going to be eating in her grandparents' house or if they would be staying there. So she goes to the bottom of the stairs and yells, Aunt Sarah, are you there? To which Sarah's voice responded, yes. Then my cousin yelled again, are we going to go to Grandma's? But nobody answered after that. After a few minutes without a response, my cousin went to the second floor and started looking for Sarah. But there was absolutely nobody there. Not a single person. She then called her on the phone only to find out that they had all gone to her grandparents' house and were waiting for her to go as well. Well, she ran out of there and didn't come back for weeks as she was too afraid of the voice that she heard. I wasn't present when this happened, obviously, but it's important to the next story because I was there for this one. So after that, and a bunch of other paranormal things happening to her and our family, They decided that they were going to call a priest to bless the house and invited everyone to pray and later hang out with them. My family was there, 20 plus people in the backyard, as the priest blessed the house. We were all praying and singing, happy and united, when suddenly, just as the priest was going to climb the stairs to the second floor, a loud voice boomed down as if it was coming from where we were standing and it said, go away. My 14-year-old self was shaking with fear instantly, but the lady that was directing the prayer yelled at us to pray louder and take each other's hands. A lot of people were crying with horror at what we had just witnessed, because it was definitely paranormal, and that has to be one of the scariest things that I've ever lived through, and because of that, I'm convinced that there is something horrible hiding in my uncle's house. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Bee Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys and I'll see you mates in the next one.